I want to bring a message to you today, deliver a message to you that's entitled, The Price Has Been Paid. Amen. The price has been paid. Did you know that freedom is never free? It never is. And it may sound like a paradox since the word freedom has the word free right within it. And yet freedom is never free. Have you ever considered the fact that forgiveness is never free either? They both cost a great deal. And maybe that sounds a little untrue at first, that forgiveness is also uh, costly. However, before forgiveness takes place, there always has to be a price that has to be paid for forgiveness to take place. I'm taking my message from uh, the story in the Bible that Jesus gave us in Luke chapter 7, uh, verses 36 through 47. So if you have your Bibles with you, and I hope you do, whether in actual Bible form or whether it's in your uh, device, that's fine. But I'll give you a moment to turn there to Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 47. And we're going to look at a story in the Bible uh, as it relates to the price that has to be paid for forgiveness. And obviously, how many of you all know that when, whether you forgive someone or whether you have been forgiven, there's a freedom that comes with that. Amen? If you're ready, say, I love the word. All right, here we go, starting with verse 36. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, asked, invited Jesus to eat. And when he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat, and behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner. Everybody say, she was a sinner. Yeah, just, you know, point at yourself and go, thank goodness, thank goodness that's not me. I was being sarcastic. Yeah. And a woman in the city who, who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping, and she began... I don't want to lose my spot. And st okay. And she began to wash his feet with her tears... How I many know that's a lot of tears? And wiped them with the hair of her head. How I many know that's some long hair? And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this, he spoke to himself. In other words, he thought within his own mind, saying, this man if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Everybody say, she was a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, no, no, pause. This is just one of the supernatural Jesus moments, because as the story goes, the man spoke to himself, which means he thought within his mind. And how many know that would be kind of disconcerting if you're in the house with someone and you're thinking to yourself and then that person that you're thinking about answers you out loud about the thing you're thinking about? <laughs> Awkward. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. <clears throat> and so I'm, sure, I'm certain at that moment that Simon had no clue that Jesus had just read his thoughts. So he said, teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. 
One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had be, had and and when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me therefore which of them will love him more. Now let me let me pause right there for a minute because the Pharisee was no idiot. He has to have known at this point yeah, Jesus is tearing with me a metaphor where he's actually talking about me. Simon answered and said, well, I suppose the one he, whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, pause. What? He turned to the woman and said to Simon, he didn't turn to the woman and say to the woman. He turned to the woman and he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss. But this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil. But this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, hers, and he's speaking to Simon, I say to you, Simon, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And then he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Would you bow your heads with me for a moment? Father, as I've shared your word, I'm reminded of your scripture that says that your word <coughs> never goes out void or useless, but it always accomplishes everything that you purpose for it to do. And so this morning, Lord, I ask that your word go out into the hearts, the ears of every hearer, the hearts of every believer, and that it does the work that you have established the word to do. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so let's take a, a deeper look at the story for a moment. Uh, Jesus had been invited into this home. Come on over for supper, um, you know, Rabbi Jesus, and and I, this is a Pharisee. It's part of the religious establishment. The Pharisees were the same one, you know, who stood on the street corners and gave eloquent prayers and kind of wanted the special seat in the house. They were kind of high and mighty, okay? And so uh, the uh, Pharisee invited Jesus over, which in and of itself is quite remarkable because the Pharisees absolutely saw Jesus as a threat to their religion. They uh, thought, saw him as a threat to their power. He, uh, they saw Jesus as a threat to their teachings. They, they saw Jesus as a, an enemy. So for a Pharisee to have Jesus over for the evening uh, was a pretty powerful thing and an odd thing, in fact. And I don't believe that this Pharisee's motives in having Jesus over were good motives anyway because he didn't do the customary things that in that setting and in that culture that they would do for an honored guest when they came in. And I want to look at that. So I think the, theme, the scene needs to be described just a little bit. Why did Jesus say, you know, you didn't wash my feet. You, you didn't give me a kiss. You didn't anoint my head with oil. 
It was normal. It was a part of culture at that time that when a guest arrived, you did everything that you could to make that guest feel welcome by going through some common courtesies. Everybody say common courtesies. You see, the washing of feet, the kiss, the anointing of the oil was not an unusual thing. It was a common courtesy that you did to a guest, especially an honored guest, that you'd bring into your house. So I I know already that uh, this Pharisee's motives were not the best of motives. First of all, what would happen is a person's feet would be washed, and a guest's feet were probably caked with the dirt and sand and other grime from going everywhere that they went in sandals on those dirt roads. And so a servant would greet that person at the door with a basin of water and would bow down and would wash that guest's feet and dry that guest's feet off. How many of y'all are kind of grateful that we don't have that custom nowadays? Can you say amen? You know, praise the Lord. Especially me because, quite frankly, I don't like feet. Diane always kids that, you know, Rick will rub my feet as long as he's wearing oven mitts and a hazmat suit. But, which is not true. I don't wear oven mitts. I don't have a hazmat suit. But she does know that when I say, let me rub her, your feet, she's going, oh, he loves me. I know you're watching, and she's thinking, I'm getting my feet rubbed when he gets back today. But that was a common courtesy. That was just something that was done when a guest came to a house. After his feet were washed and cleaned, the host would greet him after the servant got finished, and the host would greet him with a kiss, and the purpose was to make him feel welcome and to let him come on in to the rest of the house, saying, welcome in, come on into the house. Now your feet have been washed, and Hopefully that you feel better and you feel welcome and refreshed and hear this kiss is saying, come on in, I I invite you into my house. And then it was a matter of courtesy, quite frankly, that they would anoint the head of the guest with some oil. Now all of these, the foot washing, the kiss, the anointing with the oil, all came together in in a nutshell to say, you're not only a welcome guest in my house, but you're an honored and welcome guest into my house. The opposite of that, obvious, opposite of that, obviously, if the homeowner that invited the guest over did not do those things, then he was saying, you are not honored, and really, you're not welcome. I invited you here, but I really wished it hadn't have been that way. How many of y'all would like to go to one of your friends or acquaintances' house, and that was the error, the feeling that was kind of presented while you were there there I don't know why they I don't know why they invited us because boy they're sure treating us bad right now so when Jesus visited the home of this Pharisee none of these things happened Luke says that Jesus when he came in he just sat right down at the table that meant there there was no servant at the door to wash his feet there was Uh, The guy who had invited him did not come and kiss him. There was no oil that was put upon his head, but he sat right down at the table without his feet being washed. Again, against the custom. He sat down at the table without the customary kiss, and he sat down at the table without the anointing oil. That was a part of the custom. And as they began to eat, something unusual 
happened. This woman. Now Luke calls her a sinner. That's right. And the actual translation of that word is an immoral woman. A lady of the night, as it were. Because we have kids and stuff that are listening. I'm not going to go any deeper. You all know what I'm saying when I say that. And, and here, so this is a Pharisee. Top dog religious guy. Okay? In the better than thou church. The church of the better than anyone else. The holier than thou. All right? And invited Jesus, the famous rabbi, because at this time he was a famous rabbi in the land. And to have Jesus over was probably some form of prestige and maybe will increase my reputation. But already he had made Jesus feel like an unhonored guest and an unwelcomed guest. Are you following the storyline so far? And they're sitting down and eating and this woman of the night comes in. For her to even come in the Pharisee's house whether they were out on the veranda or outside in the cool of the day eating or whatever, for her to even come and approach that setting was an unclean thing in that culture. So she came in, and she fell down at Jesus' feet. Are you all picking it up? She began to weep. The tears began to fall on Jesus' feet. And she washed his feet with her tears. And she dried his feet with her hair. And then she broke this very expensive vial of perfumed oil. And she anointed Jesus' feet. And as if that wasn't enough, she went even further and began kissing his feet. Now everybody in the house ought to say, I'm so glad I'm not in that culture. Now, the whole time this was happening, get the picture of all this now. The whole time this is happening, Simon the Pharisee is watching the whole thing, right? And he's got to be thinking in his head, oh, man, why didn't I have a servant wash his feet? Man, this woman is making me look bad. Why didn't I give him a kiss? I could have at least done that even if I didn't mean it. Now i got to put up with the fact that the rabbi's here and a woman of the night is in my house. Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? But he had to be thinking, I messed up. Because he failed to do any of the customary things. I didn't say special above and beyond things. Regular, everyday, customary things to make a guest feel honored and welcomed. Simon, as I said, also knew what kind of woman this was, and so he began to judge her. And in doing so, quite frankly, he was judging Jesus at the same time that he was judging her because, you know, he said, he began to think to himself, uh, if this man really was a prophet, like everybody says that he is, well, he would have known what kind of foul, vile woman this is, and he would have never let her touch his feet. So Jesus, in his great, clever humor, decides to tell a story. He tells a parable. 
and he wants to question Simon on the parable. Now, remember, I'm certain that already Simon is thinking, oh, man, she's making me look real bad right now. Okay? And so now Jesus is going to tell him a story, which, quite frankly, is going to put him <laughs> in the center <laughs> of the story. Right? So he says, Simon, there was two men. And one owed the money, they both owed the money lender. One of them owed 500 denarii, and the other owed 50 denarii. Now, we're not going to try to get into the equation to try to equal that out to what it looks like in modern dollars. But we knew that at that, at that time, a denarii equaled a, a day's wage. A day's wage. So one guy owed 50 days' worth of wages. So you just kind of begin to do some personal calculations on that. What would your 50-day wage be? Significant, right? The other guy owed 500 working days of wage. Y'all, come on. Imagine that you owed a person 500 full days wages. Ouch. Okay, so I want you to see how grave either situation is in this setting. So, uh, although we're not going to, like I say, try to calculate how much money that is, that's a lot of moolah. That's a whole lot of denarii. <laughs> Come on, y'all. Uh, and, and it was an amount that neither person could repay. They, they, they were incapable of doing it. So, Jesus goes on to say, hey, Simon, uh, neither of them could pay the debt. And then the money lender said, well, I'll tell you what, men. I'm just feeling graceful and benevolent today, and I'm just going to stamp your debt paid in full. Neither one of you owe me a dime. That was a lot of denarii, right? <laughs> Did you all kind of calculate in your heads what 50 days wages or 500 days wages? You know, 500 days wages, what, it's like a year and a half or better? It's a lot of wages. I'm just going to go ahead and stamp them paid in full, and I'm okay with that. You no longer owe me anything. That was pretty generous, right? And so he said to Simon, so Simon, I'm just curious in your opinion, uh, which one do you think would be the most grateful? Well, it said that Simon pondered the question for a moment. <laughs> I can't blame him because I'm thinking he's already got egg on his face, right? He's already looking bad. And he's thinking, well, I better, I better say something at least halfway smart here. So he says, so as to not commit himself too much, he says, well, I suppose it would be the one who owed the most that would probably be the most thankful. Jesus says, you judge the situation correctly. And i got to believe, just thinking about Simon, this fair, he's got to be going, <laughs> yes. I got the answer right. right. I knew I was okay. And then Jesus talks to the woman, and he reminds her that her sins are forgiven. And remember, those sins were many. Remember what kind of woman she was. In that setting, it was a bad deal. And so her, her sins were many. And he says to Simon um, that those who've been forgiven much 
love much, and those who've been forgiven little, love little. So I have three simple things that I want to share with you this morning that we can learn from this specific story. Is everybody all right? All right. Number one, everyone is spiritually in debt. That's the first thing I want you to learn from this. Every one of us is a debtor. We are spiritually, there's too high a price for any one of us to ever repay for our spiritual darkness. Every person in this room is in debt to God, deep debt to God. We're all debtors. Now, I imagine that Simon probably looked at himself and thought, I got the answer right. <laughs> that Jesus guy, he sure is lucky to have me on his team. I invited him over. I'm pretty special. I got the law memorized. I stand on the street corners and I give eloquent prayers and I wear this mighty robe of prestige. I got all the right stuff. I'm a Pharisee. I'm a pretty special guy. What Simon forgot, though, was that he was a sinner as well. And I dare say, even a worse sinner than the woman whose sin was out in the open, this guy's sin was masking all the wrong stuff. Are you following me? It's okay if I just talk with you this morning, right? Or, or you want me to, do I need to kick my leg up once just to let you know I'm excited about the day? So the problem was that this guy didn't recognize his sins. He did not recognize the things that's in his life as sins, and it was easy for him to overlook the fact that he even needed forgiveness. That's a part of the problem in our country today. I had a lot of angst about today's 4th of July message because there's things I could say today that would probably bring offense from every corner of the room. But I'm not here to propagate my political position. I've never been a political activist as a pastor. God's not called me to that. My calling is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. To share the declaration of dependence for the citizenship of the kingdom of heaven. Can I get an amen from somebody? But I'm a patriot. I served my country. So I got opinions Say, amen all you want. I ain't sharing them with you. <laughs> People have forgotten that they are indebted to those who died for the freedoms that we express together. Did I say together? That we express together as Americans. Isn't it easy to get in our cars and to drive from one place to the other and never once consider the fact that you have freedom to have a car and to have a license and to get in that car and go anywhere you want? I doubt there's a single person in this room who thought about that this week. Got in the car and went to turn it on and went, <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm blessed. I'm free to have a car. No, no, we we just got in, cranked that thing up, 
whined and moaned, fussed at God because it was 125 degrees in the car. The air conditioner ought to work a little bit better for us Americans, daggone it. Yeah, I got a, I got a sister in the front going, hallelujah, I found Jesus right there. <laughs> Isn't it easy to forget what our pilgrim fathers who crossed the ocean to this new land did? Isn't it easy for us to forget the blood that was shed, shed at Gettysburg, to forget the blood that was shed, shed at uh, Valley Forge? We put hamburgers on the grill, sit around and enjoy all the material blessings that God has given us and forget about the blood that was shed so that we can have the stars and stripes to wave in the breeze. I'm not getting political. One of the beauties of being the pastor and having the opportunity to be the guy who stands up here is I do get the opportunity to opine every now and then. If you don't know what that word means, look it up. You'll enjoy it. We get a new word for the day. I love seeing the flag wave in the breeze, hearing it snap. Flag gets a little tattered, that thing comes down and it's disposed of correctly so a brand new fresh flag can get put up. I didn't say I was, I'm not sharing with you my political views. I'm, I am sharing with you a little bit of my patriotism. And we enjoy all of those freedoms as citizens of this great country. A country in disarray, a country in chaos. I'm not here to suggest right or wrong about any of the statues that are coming down. What I am here to say that, that uh, as I heard one woman talking on a YouTube thing, hollering at some people, that maybe you ought to know a little bit about the history of the, of the statue before you choose to tear the statue down. Should you know the history of the statue and choose to do so, I'll honor your position. But when you just want to do it to be destructive and not really know why you're doing it, it's a little bit of a problem. So yeah, we put hamburgers on the grill and hot dogs and eat the all-American food and never stop once to think about the price that was paid for us to be able to do such a thing. We owe a great debt to our country and the problem with our society today is that it believes that its country owes them a great debt. But you know what? I promised my wife I wouldn't get too deep into what I'm already too deep in. <laughs> I can see her right now. She's shaking her head. <laughs> we also owe a great debt to our God. Amen. And when's the last time we stopped and gave that a deep thought? Who redeemed us? Who paid for us? Who forgave us? We are all debtors. We all owe a debt. That was number one. Remember, I only have three. Here's number two. 
we can never repay that debt. For most of us, if all of our creditors showed up at the same moment, decided in one single day to collect absolutely everything that you owed from that you owed them all at once, how many of you might just be in a little bit of trouble? I don't have a lot of debt, but if they came in one day and says, I want what you owe us for your house and for your truck and for your Jeep, I don't have that kind of cashola just sitting around. Anybody? Does anybody have that much cash? I'll invite you to my house, I'll wash your feet, and I'll, I'll give you a kiss and anoint your head with oil. So we can all whittle away at it a little bit here and there, right? But if they all came at one moment, and some of you are so deep in debt that if the debtors came in a single moment and asked for everything that you had, you'd be freaked right out. So when I think about the debt that I owe our forefathers, whether you agree with our forefathers or not, they paid a price for our freedom I realize that that's also a debt that I can't repay. And when I think about the debt that I owe God in heaven for sending his son to die on a cross for me, to rescue me from my sins, I realize that I can't pay that either. If I tried all my life, I could never repay him for what he saved me from. And I know there's others that feel that same way. So let's go back to our story for just a moment. Everybody all right? You ain't put your hamburgers on the grill yet, so relax. <laughs> this woman came to Jesus and she fell at his feet. She washed his feet with tears. She dried his feet with her hair. She anointed, with, she anointed, with him, anointed him with oil, kissed his feet, anointed him with oil. And all of it was an expression of love. It was an expression of of gratitude, and might, one might say, well, in a way, she was paying Christ back. But she wasn't paying Christ back at all. What she was doing was saying, thank you. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for freeing me. When's the last time you counted the cost for your sins? My sins have been many. And I feel like sometimes, you know, they often say it only took one drop of blood. I'm thinking, no, he lost a pint or two over Rick. Many of us probably can feel that same way, but when's the last time we considered it? We love to cons I wonder how many of us have taken the 4th of July to consider the price that was paid for us to have our freedoms instead have only looked at it as a four or five day weekend to go to the lake and lay out there and bake in the sun. So, yeah, she was saying, thank you. Thank you, Rabbi. Thank you, Rabbi Yeshua, for forgiving me. No one's ever forgiven me. They've only ever judged me. They've only ever marked me with a scarlet letter. And you loved me, and you forgave me, and never once asked me about my past. 
That's about all we can do as well. We can never pray, repay God. You can't serve enough. Maybe you can roll up your sleeve and go to work a little bit. Maybe we can worship. Maybe we can pray. Maybe we can play an instrument. Maybe we can reach out. Maybe we can show somebody the love of Jesus just like he showed us. Showed us. We can do all that, but that being said, we would still never be able to repay God for the price that he paid for your freedom and for your forgiveness. So number one, everyone is spiritually in debt. We're all debtors. Number two, we could never, ever repay that debt. And number three, forgiveness is available to everybody, absolutely everybody. There may be some of us in this room that have sinned so terribly in our past that we wonder, could I ever be forgiven? Or some of you who've already said, there's no way he would ever forgive me. I can't forgive myself. And all of us stand in need of forgiveness. There's not a one of us in this room that do not. And the good news is that forgiveness is available to absolutely everyone. No one is exempted. Well, you are too nasty to get the forgiveness of Jesus. No, you may be nasty, but not too nasty. Um, however, the problem is, friends, that forgiveness is not free. It costs something. It costs a great deal. Forgiveness always costs something. For the money lender in Jesus' parable, it was 550 denarii worth of days' wages. In this setting today, just think about your annual salary plus nearly two months. Fourteen months of salary you owed somebody and they went, forgiven, forget it. Or is there any one of us in the room whatsoever that could go, oh, no problem, man, forget it. You don't owe me nothing. It's a pretty big deal. A small amount, though, here in the story compared to the debts that we owe. So when Jesus said to this woman, darling, your sins are forgiven, did you know it cost God something? It cost God a price that none of us would be willing to pay out. Because before the forgiveness of sins was available, there had to be suffering. There had to be pain. There had to be agony. There had to be a Gethsemane. Before forgiveness, there had to be a death on the cross. There had to be a burial. There had to be a resurrection before we could have freedom, before we could have forgiveness. An ultimate price had to be paid. The price had to be paid. The ledger had to be cleared before forgiveness could become a reality. But now it's been paid. It's available to everyone. But I wonder how many of us have calculated the reality because as I've said many times, there's people in this room who are still beating themselves up over past sins. You're still holding yourself guilty and unforgiven for sins in your life that you've committed, who knows, 20, 30 years ago. You'll never experience freedom until you pay the price to forgive. So your hallelujah moment has arrived because I'm about to close this nice little fireside chat that we're having together. I'll give you your $5 later for the, the one awe of sympathy. Freedom is never free. It always costs someone something.
Freedom is something that is valuable. We should as much look at all the viewpoints that are happening in our society and do our best to honor everyone as much as possible. We should still remember and we should still consider the cost. It's so valuable that men and women have been willing to give their lives for this freedom in exchange for their own freedom and for the freedom of the families of this country and for the rest of the countrymen and women here in this, in this great land that we live. People have died for you to have this freedom. Freedom's a costly thing. There's always a price to be paid. Uh, freedom is never free, and in the same way, forgiveness is a costly thing. It's never free. It'll always cost something. And forgiveness has been so valuable that it's cost countless men and women over the years their lives for the faith that they had, for defending the citizenship of the kingdom of God. Let me just go over a little bit of a list here, and we'll close and then go party with some hamburgers and stuff. You'd be like, well, yeah, but you ain't making us feel none too good. I'm sorry it was not the intent. The Holy Spirit does what the Holy Spirit does. Stephen was stoned. James was executed. Matthew was pinned to the ground and beheaded. Jesus' brother James was stoned. Matthias was stoned. Andrew was crucified on an X-shaped cross. Mark was dragged through the city until his body was torn apart. Peter was crucified upside down. Paul was beheaded. Jude and Bartholomew were crucified. Thomas was run through with spears and then thrown into an oven. Luke was hung from a tree. John was exiled. That's just a few of those who paid the price for the freedoms you have spiritually and religiously today. Forgiveness is, is valuable beyond measure. It's amazing. God considered it so valuable. I grab my head because it blows my mind. He considered forgiveness and freedom so valuable, he sent his son to die on a cross for you and me. And I take ownership of that just as I take ownership of those who died and gave their lives so that I could have freedom as an American. Jesus died that I can have freedom as a citizen, as a son of God, a child of God in the citizenship of the kingdom of God. And you need to remember it. And you need to consider it. He gave his son, as a ransom for you. Nestil you. He gave his son as a ransom for Nestil me. And he did it and stamped the receipt, the invoice, paid in full. Amen. Amen. Come on, praise him like you can. So there's always a price that has to be paid. Forgiveness is never free. Right now, we need to remember the price. Thank God for our freedom, for our forgiveness. It's been a great weekend of celebration. My family and I have been up at the lake house with mom and, and many of Diane's uh, family members and... and uh, 
have been able to have fun together and flags are all over the the place and there was a parade of uh, 15 pontoon boats yesterday and they were all decked out in red white and blue and so forth and so on and and it was fun and lots of eating and it was fun <laughs> and I wonder how many uh, have really stopped though and considered the price that was paid to be able to enjoy all that so today, God's forgiveness is available for you as well. He offers it to you through his son, Jesus Christ. He challenges you to look once more at the cross and realize what it cost him for you. We can realize maybe what it cost him for mankind, but if you stop to think about what it cost him for you, for you, for you? I'm sorry, I can't but be grave and solemn when I think about what it cost him for me. I want to celebrate, but I can't do nothing but fall at his feet and weep on his feet. I can't dry it with my hair. <laughs> But you all understand what I'm saying. He invites you to come. And he invites you to know him. And for the price to be paid for your sins and for mine. So if you'll bow your heads with me now. Let it sink in for a minute. Just let it sink in for a minute. Consider what it cost him for you. Let it sink in for a minute. Those that are watching online, same, same thing. Stop the presses. You don't need to run out of the house yet. Stop for a moment and think about what it cost him for you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Give the Lord a praise. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. I want you to take some time today as we continue with the celebration of our Independence Day and Fourth of July that you also take some time to consider what it costs for you to have those freedoms. Amen? And, but enjoy. Have a great time. Enjoy the rest of your uh, holiday weekend. Uh, enjoy family. Uh, enjoy some vittles. Have a great time out on the lake or whatever it is that you're doing or sitting in your living room under the comfort of your air conditioning. And then when's the last time you turned on your air conditioning? Well, thank you, all those who died so that I could have electricity today and freedom to have it. Come on, think about it. You know, what the Bible teaches us to rejoice always 
And in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God for your life. Amen. Amen. I want to remind you that our prayer team is available. In fact, if our prayer team will come forward, they will be up here for just a few minutes following the service to pray with you about anything and everything that you may need prayer about. Maybe you want to just make a decision for Jesus Christ today. Then I encourage you to come forward. They'll be standing right over here in front of these steps. It'll be good. That way you won't get tangled up in the wiring. And, and then, uh, then if you want to come up here too, uh, and that's what, and our prayer line is still available, 989-681-5731, for you to call in. They'll be hanging out uh, uh, to uh, receive prayer uh, as, uh, or to pray with you as well. And let's see, I don't think there's anything else I need to, to mention other than uh, stand for a minute and let me send you out blessed. Have you been blessed today? Yes. Amen. All of you online, thank you so much for being a part of this service and listening to the message today, worshiping our Lord Jesus through song and offering and through the Word of God as well. I call you blessed. Uh, I pray the blessings of the Lord be on you. All of you here today, thank you so much for taking out of your uh, holiday schedule to come be in this service with us. I pray that you have an amazing day, a blessed day. Keep your nose in the book. Keep your knees bent to heaven. Keep your body in the house of God. I call you blessed. I look forward to seeing you on Wednesday night. Have a great day.